You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time: The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Claudia's O'Reilly Auto Parts story. I had just moved to a new city and barely even knew where the grocery store was yet. When my car wouldn't start one morning, I didn't know who to ask about local shops. But I remembered a name from back home, O'Reilly Auto Parts. I called and they pointed me to a great mechanic just down the street. Now, I feel a little more at home. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Uh, it is your instant match reaction for Everton nil, Tottenham nil. Not brilliant, but better from Everton today. Uh, two weeks on from our very sober and post-match after that Watford game. Uh, Matt Flosk, Ed McCosh and Mark Mosey are all back uh, here in Rigby's again. And it was a bit better today, wasn't it? Um, Mosey, I mean, loads of talk points which we'll get into, but Everton looked arsed and they haven't looked arsed over the last few weeks. Yeah, it's incredibly hard to predict at the moment, isn't it? You mean get your arse handed to you by one of the worst teams in the league and then a fortnight later actually show up against one of the teams who on paper have got far more quality than us and as you say that Evertonians are born and not manufactured and I think that's true at the moment because you quite simply couldn't make this shit up with this football <laughs> team but I think the nature of the game and in particular the nature of the first half is exactly what Everton needed it to be today it was compact it was aggressive we were never really going to have the upper hand in terms of possession uh, because that's quite simply never the case with Everton but we were never going to be the ones who, who had the more craft and guile and create more open chances and I think Richarlison knew in particular from a personal point of view he knew that that was going to be the nature of his game today uh, I think he did really well in terms of just offering something to play off and, and some form of hold up play which obviously we've not really had with Solomon Rondon but at least we can come back today talk about a team going into an international break that more importantly than anything hasn't lost a game we, we quite simply had to stop that run uh, but we've got not only a good team performance but some good individual performances from some pretty surprising faces that have got us at least something to cling on to going into an international break uh, Ed any Greek mythology for us for that performance today or you, you know what else I'm now no, no, I'm uh, I'm more contemporary now. Um, <laughs> I, I will give you a topical reference, though. I think maybe one criticism is, you know, in a week where 
COP26 taught us again that we need to look after the environment. It was a little disappointing we didn't recycle the ball more. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, we were just moving it a little bit too quickly at times, and I think in the second half there was a, a really clear improvement. But the one thing I was really pleased with with Everton today is we did everything together as a unit. Um, sometimes we pressed high, sometimes we stayed back, and sometimes it was a bit in the middle, but everything we did was together. And I think that kept Richarlison in the game because it's very easy for him to chase around the centre-backs while every other player is 40 yards behind. But there was someone behind him today. There was a Townsend or a Gray or a, a Gordon um, providing that support. And I think that we miss Calvert-Lewin so much today. There were yeah. so many crosses, especially in the first half. Uh, I was buying the goal in the park end and, and I could almost see the ghost of Calvert-Lewin diving into some <laughs> yeah, of those crosses. Yeah. Um, and it's not Richarlison's bag. It is simply not what he does. Uh, I think in the second half, we played a little bit more towards how he likes to play. Facing goal, ball over the top and not yeah. into feet. And that's where the incident, the penalty incident, I'm sure we'll talk about, came from. It was him running towards goal. A bit more of that, we might have had more chances. But it's an OK performance today. Last one, you make a bit, mate. Yeah, um, reasonably pleased. We stopped the rot, which is the main thing. And a clean sheet as well. Um, it was not game really I thought for the first half an hour or so we had the, the most possession we probably had all season yeah. didn't we and we didn't really know what to do with it and I think that was Spurs' game plan really um, you know Conte's just come in and he must have looked at the tapes looked at the way we played this season knew that we were after Nick and counter attacks yeah. so he's, he's let us have the ball a bit more and I mean they were very compact and shut down today it wasn't even two banks of four it was one bank of ten at yeah. times so and we just didn't have without Calvert-Lewin and Decore we didn't have that drive to get through it but overall I'm, I'm pretty pleased and eating my own words over Fabian Delph because he was the engine in the middle yeah. of that midfield today for us yeah um, we'll, we'll start off with Delph then, then Moe's you know I think we said on Monday you don't want to get too carried away of him because you know yeah. an injury could potentially be around the corner of him just getting off the bus at the ground and yeah. you know I think I mean, I think those are sort of a bit of a one of them today where when he was brought up, everyone sort of had a bit of a, a sign and he thought, well, first game for ages. It felt very much pre-planned, but you know, it was sort of like a it was like a bit of a view into what Fabian Delph and Everton could have been like if he'd stayed fit and been able to put a run against them because he's not a spectacular player by any means, but there's a good player in there if you can get him on the pitch, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he he did the job for the vast majority of the game today that we, we got that glimpse of on Monday night against Wolves didn't we it was just it's quite simply just someone who's got an intelligent and composed football and brain and it, it's disappointing that it's taken us this long to be able to say these words about him and uh, as you rightly say we we absolutely do not go overboard on players like this because we know getting the consistency out of him in particular is is a massive challenge but it, it just looked like the, the midfielder that we have, we've needed for, for so long in, in that hold and roll and I think the thing that excites me about not necessarily him but having a player of that ilk is that it absolutely brings out the best in someone like Alain alongside him because asking Alain to do that role is I think we're all at that same stage now where that, that's quite simply not his game um, he's been quite vocal in terms of very cutely saying that that is not his game so if it's not going to be Gabamon if it's not going to be Davis and I think the the jury's out on both of those players then until we can go and sign a long-term replacement for that hold and roll Fabian Delph simply has to be the man to step up but I think the thing I like about him is that 
he is the type of footballer that will give the ball away but he'll take risks he'll try and play forward passes and he looks as though he's capable of making things happen at the start of a move whereas you, you do look at Davis and Gabamon and that sort of player and it, it's all a lot more safe and I appreciate they are all defensive midfielders but what you get in Alan and Delph is that yeah you're possession retention may be more towards 70% than 95 but they're the types of players who are going to find that ball out to your full back or through to Richarlison and actually make something happen and I think we are quite simply at the stage now and from a numbers point of view where he has to be involved um, but I think he's gone beyond that today and with a, with a performance like that he, he absolutely warrants his side in the, his place in the side yeah, It's mad to say I had about a player who's injured so often but after the core he's probably a more almost athletic midfielder isn't he and you know having legs back in there again today did really help what a terrifying indictment that is yeah <laughs> God. But, but he, he, he took the ground doesn't he he got across you know like Matt compared him to an octopus before in regards to how often he got in the right place and nicked the ball back and for an hour today he did look like that that combative midfielder that, that we know he can be yeah and, and Moses hit the nail on the head it, what, what his role does is it releases Alan who does play further forward who is a bit more maybe experimental with his passes and, and we saw bits of it today I thought Alan maybe could have kicked on a little bit more but Delph was providing the, the cover the, the blanket for him and there are some very very good interceptions yeah. from Delph today which showed he was reading the game well He's, his absence from the game through injury isn't causing too much of a problem for him clearly and yeah. you know we, we were getting these sounds coming out from the training ground weren't we this week that Delph is you know star yeah. of the week in training the game a big gold sticker and all that <laughs> And it was almost like they were mentally preparing us for him playing at the weekend. Yeah, it was a bit, a bit of propaganda, I thought, but he, he did his job today and evidently he's not ready for 90. You know, it was, it, yeah. it was obviously premeditated that it happened on the hour mark, him coming off. Um, yeah. But, he, you know, he, he did a good job then. I thought it was nice to see a balanced midfield and a balanced midfield clearly is, is the difference for Everton. Yeah. You can divide our good and our bad performances down the middle based on if our midfield's been solid and if our midfield's not been solid yeah. and today it worked yeah one other player I wanted to mention Matt before we get into the <laughs> controversial cause we could say maybe maybe one controversial one definitely not controversial um, is Ben Godfrey who you know had a bit of a shocker on, on Monday night he's playing left back played that back pass that effectively killed the game um, looked a lot more on it today and I have, to, I have to admit before the game today I would have been hesitant about playing him it sounds a bit mad now but I might have played the whole game next to Keane um, <laughs> But, you know, he's, he's had a tough time recently. And, I mean, albeit up against the very sedate Harry Kane, um, Sonny and Mary looked like he couldn't really handle the occasion. But credit to Ben Godfrey, because I think he stuck to his task really well today and showed himself to be the, the player that he was a bit more like last season. Yeah, absolutely. And they worked well as a unit, Keane and Godfrey. Like, every time one of them might have missed the tackle or missed the clearance, the other one was there to mop up. I suppose the only thing lacking for Godfrey at the moment, because he does seem to be getting back to his defensive best, was just his distribution. Too many times, he sent the ball up the field and a couple of times they nearly cleared the park end. Yeah, um, <laughs> channeling his inner Alan Stubbs. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. But no, I've, I've got no complaints at all with him today. Um, and he, he nearly had a goal as well, didn't he? He had our yeah. first shot on target, somehow. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know what he was doing there. like, but Because <laughs> he wasn't even off a set piece, was it? He? he just suddenly ended up up the field. But now I'm pleased with him. Hopefully he's getting some specific training and conditioning to get him back to his best because we all know he's has issues with uh, with long COVID and stuff so yeah. fingers crossed the best is yet to come to him I think he's got he's definitely got enough credit in the bank to, to stand by watching him go through this kind of semi-awkward phase of how he fits into the centre of defence 
I, for one, have seen enough of him at fullback to know that. And I know that the season before we had Mason Holgate run, playing himself into a really good run of form, and we were all talking about this, you know, player's player of the season, future captain, etc. But I stand by the fact that it, it still and did at the time feel very different with Ben Godfrey. It does feel like there's substance to him being the core of Everton's defence for for years to come. And yes, it, it it's been a little bit hit and miss, but. It's exactly the same in terms of every area of the pitch for Everton and the, the the partnerships and the couplings of players are changing so frequently that there isn't really any potential for the for the partnerships that you ideally need at central defence to grow. And I think the thing I've liked about the, the, the bad phase of, of form that Ben Godfrey has had is that we are at least sticking with him, with, with Rafa Benitez. As you, you said before the game, Matt, you wouldn't be surprised to see Mason Mason Holgate come in because, quite simply, they were all as bad as each other on Monday night and it was any it was any two from three really today. But I think at least Rafael Benitez has seen what we've seen in the previous 12 months and that, that there is real substance to this lad being a top-level centre-half. And as much as we haven't seen it in recent weeks, you do get the glimpses today of someone who albeit against an out-of-form Harry Kane is able to keep him quiet for, for long spells of the game and I know that Tottenham are getting used to a new manager and in particular a new way of playing and a new formation but to keep people like Lo Celso and Son and Lucas Moura and in particular Harry Kane quiet for the spells that Everton did today it's credit not only to Ben Godfrey but to Michael Keane and the rest of that back four Yeah, exactly as, as the two fellas have said the, the key term is unit today uh, every player was backed up and it, it meant a, a clear reduction in these individual errors which have been costing us um, because that's that's really what's been our Achilles heel in the last few weeks oh I did go into Greek mythology sorry um, <laughs> been, been, how long have you been thinking about that for between your terms just getting to you but that's, that's kind of the thing as well because Godfrey is the exact profile of player we want to centre back at the moment he's big he's athletic he's good in the air he takes the ball away he's got all the tools Um but when he was being left on his own, when players getting pulled apart, he was making these individual errors and beating himself up about it, you can tell. Yeah. And it was causing some poor performances from him. The recovery from COVID is obviously the physical element to it, and only he knows exactly what he's gone through. But mentally as well, he sometimes had no friends on the field. Yeah. And today, everyone was supporting each other. And we saw the best of Godfrey. And it's, it's nice to see him bursting forward and making these chances and having shots and things. And, you know, if he's well covered, he can do that. And that's, that's, that's the bottom line, really. Yeah. Um, I left one on Son as well today, which <laughs> apparently, um, which is quite nice. But, um, <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll get on to the decisions now. I'll come to you first, there, because I know there's some d- disagreements around the table here. Two major ones. Like, we'll start with the controversial one. Um, it was right in front of me, that, that penalty today, um, when Laurie took my charge and I was a thought, absolutely nailed on. I couldn't believe it when the referee was even taking his time to deliberate it with VAR. And then when he goes over to the screen, you're thinking, oh no, we, we all know what's coming here. Um, it looks like Laurie sort of caresses the top of the ball a little tiny bit before taking Richarlison down. Um, what, what, what did you make of it, mate? Because I, I'm sort of sat here, right? I don't know what the rules are in regards to that, whether that's, that, that's a penalty or not at the moment. There are two elements involved here, and the first element is contact. So it, it doesn't matter the level of contact with the ball. It's the contact between the players which makes the difference. For example, if, if I tackled someone and got the ball fairly and also punched them in the face at the same time, <laughs> it's still violent conduct because it's, the, it's denying the player the opportunity to play the ball. And I think maybe if Richarlison stays down, it's a different decision for the referee. Um, but uh, the, the fact that Lloris 
has wrapped his arm around his leg. That's the contact. It denies him the ability to play as he would have played the ball. It's a foul. But the second element is we've been told the, the role of VAR and of reviews is to help us to overturn clear and obvious errors, yeah. to make sure that referees aren't making clear errors. Um, and if the referee makes a decision, then they're going to stick with that decision. So I don't understand what thought process has gone into it that's allowed the referee today to say that's a clear error, it's obviously not a penalty, I must overturn that decision. That's where I cannot fathom what's happened there. Because eventually, you have to... In cricket, they call it the umpire's call. Yeah, but there's yeah. a grey area. Yeah. You go with the decision that's made on the field. And So how, how have they come to that decision today? I can't work that out, and that's why I'm still annoyed by it. That's what did you think of it, Yeah, um, same as Ed. Um, the fact that he's brushed the top of the ball shouldn't make a difference because... Okay, you could say he's hit the ball and he's made it change direction slightly, but he hasn't knocked it out of play. The ball's still active. So the next thing that Charles wants to do is get after that ball, but he can't because his legs have been completely wrapped around by Loris's arms. And I said it was a good play in the NFL. Like that's exactly how you want to take down a running back. But you can't do that in the Premier League. And that's right, it, it wasn't a clear error. It was a it was a marginal call. You can see it either way. I've been saying all the way home that if that was the other way around, it wouldn't have got overturned. And we would have heard all the reasons on Sky Sports from Dermot why it wasn't overturned. Everyone would have been fine with it being a penalty. But, yeah, you can't be going to the screen and flipping a coin, basically, and saying, well, I'm going to come down on the 51% of this 50-50 chance. You know what I mean? It's just... It's just typical of the way that the referees apply the rules in this league. And, I mean... I'm asking myself all sorts of paranoid questions now like if it wasn't Conte's first Premier League game would he have done that do you know what I mean because yeah. referees are only human beings they, want to, they don't want to be on the wrong end of headlines you know they don't want to be under pressure and stuff like that and we've seen it in the past where a referee has been dragged over the coals for what is really a 50-50 decision against the wrong team all of a sudden they've been stood down the next week so it takes a brave man to be on the wrong end of the ball and stuff. <laughs> well, you can have Seamus Coleman that after uh, after the Watford game, but I, think I mean, Mark Mosey, Mark Mosey, the cop eyes thinks it was the right decision. Oh well, I'll, I'll, I'll caveat all of that by saying that I was going purely off Twitter calls uh, and having just watched the the replay back, I think I echo everything that you lads have said in terms of there being absolute minimal contact on the ball. Um, if we're going to talk about that being clear and obvious, then uh, I mean, I've just had to watch that video back with a magnification camera on it to see if Hugo Lloris has touched the ball. I mean, <laughs> if, if that is the, the if that is the barrier of clear and obvious, then we're going to have every single decision reviewed. And I think the most frustrating element for me is that the the sheer pantomime of the referee going over to the sideline as if he's not going to listen to the five lads down in London who've watched it and called him wrong. Um, and I think that's. I'm, I'm urging referees every time I see a controversial call like this to just stick by the guns for what is simply not a decision that they've got clearly and obviously wrong, uh, which, which, which was obviously the call today. But oh, VAR is just the enemy of someone like Richarlison, unfortunately, <laughs> isn't it? Because we, we all know that any sniff of wrongdoing or a foul that lad is going to try and exaggerate it to its very core and as much as I think he's hard done to today that these are the ones that are unfortunately just going to start going against the Charleston because he's of that nature where referees are out for him and, and calling for, for diving calling them for petty fouls and he's, he's unfortunately not a player who's going to benefit from any form of technological progress but 
Yeah, you, you can call that the non-controversial one, Matt, but I think the other one is uh, incredibly frustrating, to say the least. Yeah. I mean, just on that, I mean, I don't know if any you remember, what happened afterwards? Did Richardson get up yeah, and try it? He got straight back yeah. up and he even took the ball around Lloris, but by the time he'd taken the ball around Lloris, the penalty had been given. Yeah. So there's... He might, he might have tried to have a shot or play at someone in the centre. Yeah. I, I think all credit to Richarlison. He, he went down because he was running at high momentum. And I'm getting deja vu to Andy Johnson. I swear, it's like the same thing over again. Players going at high momentum, if there's impact on them, even if it's a small amount of impact, they're going to go down. Yeah. Like you try running at full speed and then someone clips you on the ankle. That's what happens. Um, and I think it would be really harsh on Richarlison if, if reputation has played a part in that. I, I cannot even now having seen it 10 times over work out how how the decision can be overturned and that's and that's what's really causing me angst yeah um, and Mason Hallgate if, if, if that map before we speak about Mason Hallgate uh, Goodison was great after that wasn't it because uh, obviously everyone was very indignant after the penalty wasn't given and then someone made a decision to show it on the big screen and everyone completely lost the plot uh, all the players were legging it towards the referee pointing, pointing, at, the, the pointing at the screen as if he's going to go back and have another look at it um, can I just say that the, the fellow who showed that on the screen today um, now that you are jobless you're more than welcome to come and join us and we'll all buy you a pint <laughs> but, um, but we haven't really had that this season yet have we you know we had, we had the little flurry against Burnley where it was you know just goal after goal after goal and it was brilliant but I mean that's the first time since we've been back that we've had that properly angry we hate everybody sort of atmosphere got us in again oh yeah love it absolutely love it and hopefully we'll have a couple more now that we've got quite a few night games coming up yeah but yeah, even if it is false indignation, it, it gets the players up. You saw Andros Townsend a couple of times running past the Bullens when we got to throw in, like throwing his arms up like they do and getting everyone G'd up. But yeah, I mean, showing it on the big screen. I think they are obliged to show it on the big screen now. Oh, I, think that's, I think that's part oh. of it, yeah. So especially like offsides and stuff like I that. I think they meant to show offsides, but not anything like that. I don't, I don't know. I'm not yeah. sure I'm supposed to show that. But I mean, why not? Oh, yeah. It, yeah. If it's overturned, it's not meant to be controversial. Yeah. So. Yeah, it should quell the crowd rather than get them G'd up. So the fact that it did make everyone lose their heads for like 10 seconds kind of shows how it was just a ridiculous 50-50 call. I mean, they could have showed Laurie's punching the ball cleanly away and everyone still would have moaned on me. said it was a penalty, so just show replays of anything lands on the screen and we'll, we'll, all, we'll all kick off. But, uh, but Holgate, I'll, I'll come to you again, Matt, on this one. No, after the Wofford game, you used the word unprofessional to describe the whole team, which was absolutely right. Uh, that was Mason Holgate today, wasn't it, in, in a nutshell? I mean, I, I don't know why he came on, first and foremost. That in itself, I thought it was a mad decision. I don't know if Alan was had a knock or anything, but playing a three-man midfield, which had the centre-back and a winger in it, was uh, a bit of a mad shout, I've got to say, from the manager. But regardless, Mason Holgate's got to, got to do more. He got caught so many times beforehand. Lost the ball when Lascelles with the post, which could have easily cost us. Um, and he makes a tackle, which again he wins the ball, and I, I, you know maybe that negates everything that happens afterwards, as we said. We don't know, uh, but obviously not in this instance. But just no need for it, was there? I think he knows exactly what he's doing. He's trying to leave one on the lad, and he could easily just nick it away and get everything going. But instead, he does something a bit rash, which is sort of unfortunately becoming his trademark isn't it yeah absolutely and even before the red card he was all over the place when he came on I thought we were going three at the back for some reason and yeah. pushing the wing backs up but yeah he was just he was just a bit of a mess he stood on top of the ball and fell over it a couple of times and got caught and yeah the straight away the red card I mean a couple of people around me were like ah oh, no come on you can't check that I was like nah he's off I thought he'd broken his leg like yeah. he fully fully connected with him and he leant back to make sure he did it was just absolutely stupid and maybe because we haven't seen him much there's sort of this 
lingering thing in your head like oh you know he'll grow out of that but he's like 25 now isn't he he's, he's yeah. not a kid no more and he can't be doing things like that and I mean that's three big fixtures now he's missing isn't it um, yeah uh, City City Brentford and the Derby he won't be playing for yeah so <laughs> well <laughs> I yeah. mean Ed safe thank God I mean he probably did do us a favour in the end because he was playing that bad wasn't he yeah. he was but it still leaves us short if, yeah. but thankfully Brantford was on the bench so it looks like he's going to be come back to fitness but yeah, unprofessional. It was just, it was just daft, and it really could have cost us towards the end. I mean, there was four minutes added on. It became like six or seven, didn't it? Because that whole yeah. debacle took about two minutes, and it's just, it's not what we need to see. And I was having flashbacks to Watford, just thinking, is this going to be another collapse? Yeah. But thankfully, they kept the reds and everything. But yeah, it was just it was stick on red, absolutely stick on. It was like Morales on Suarez in the derby years ago. <laughs> yeah, but at least at least Foggy got the ball in that one. But you know, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. at least Var didn't exist then. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, before we go on to the tackle, the substitution, as you rightly said, to to go up against Hoiberg and Dombele and Lascelso going into Skip, it, and Skip yeah. Skip stayed on, didn't he? Excuse me, but to to go into that last ten minutes with Tom Davis and Mason Holgate behind Andros Townsend, I mean. It, it, it's the flimsiest of Everton central midfields that you could ever wish to see at the moment and I think that was incredibly risky I think we, we all knew what 18 minutes if we were drawing was going to look like for Everton today on the back of three defeats and I think a point was too precious not to take at that stage but very very questionable to, to, to turn to Mason Holgate in that situation and I, I know I've got absolutely nothing to back this up with with Jean-Philippe Gabamon but if you bring in Mason Holgate on in that situation and not him then it, it says massive amounts in terms of how much Rafael Benitez trusts him at the moment in terms of the tackle unfortunately Mason Holgate is the type of intelligent centre half who knows exactly what he's doing in that situation I wouldn't put him down as an agricultural or boisterous centre half we've seen plenty of those at Everton in recent years but the fact that he's intelligent enough to he's go and like step a, in he's not like a lumbering shed is definitely he, you know? not no we, we've championed his footballing brain in the past and his ability to step into centre midfield and get on the ball in the same breath he knows exactly what he's doing in, in 50-50 situations like that he knows he's first to the ball he plays it cleanly and there's absolutely no reason to leave one on him like he did uh, again I've not seen the video but if the stills after it are anything to go by how he is that far up the whoever it is the Tottenham the Tottenham player's leg it's just, it's just totally reckless and uh, unfortunately you, we're not in an age of this sport where you're able to get away with that sort of stuff anymore um, I, I don't think we'll miss him because so much of what we've seen from him in recent times suggests that he is absolutely nowhere near being pivotal for this 11 but that that's all on the assumption that Yerry Mean is able to work his way back into full fitness and I think as, as Matt has rightly said we are not in a position at the moment being good form or poor form where we can just throw players away for three games and, and that's unfortunately what we're looking at I, I have a serious problem with the word intelligence having been used. Um, I'll put it this way. Spurs used to hold the crown for having the most stupid player in the Premier League, but then they carted off Serge Aurier and he's gone. Yeah. And I think Mason Holgate is one of the contenders of the crown. Every time I watch him play, I think he's an absolute moron. I can't believe the number of times he gets pulled out of position, number of times he makes stupid fouls, number of times he goes off on his own, doing his own thing. And this foul today is just another one of the, the catalogue of issues I've got with Mason Hargate. I must admit, it's somewhat of a vendetta, so I may be a bit biased. But <laughs> it, he just does stupid, stupid things every time he plays. and It's so antagonising to watch. And I cannot, I cannot fathom why Benitez thought he'd be OK to anchor the midfield. 
there must be something seriously wrong with Batman if he can't play 10 minutes and, and Holgate once again for me total lapse of concentration you know I, I don't believe there was malice in the foul I don't think he's trying to kill him but he does a bloody good effort at it. <laughs> that, just that shouldn't be the defence of attack <laughs> oh, that no. death was not, not it, necessary. It, it's, it's the difference between murder and you know, yeah. manslaughter. Yeah. Um, I, I just, I've got a serious issue with Holgate, I really do. I think the, the disappointment for me is how quickly he's been able to go to regress to, to the point where he is now I mean the, I bring the word intelligence into it we, we spoke about this lad's maturity <laughs> this is not happening this far away <laughs> if you think about if you think about the, the Chelsea game at home uh, during sort of semi-lockdown yeah. when 3,000 fans were able to go back in uh, I think that preceded the away game at Leicester where we looked really good uh, and we had that sort of four centre-halves across the back he, he looked as though he was able to have the, the maturity to step out of position and play a role that been designated by whoever Everton's manager was at that time and do you know what I, as much as I'm not going to defend the lad at all for that it's just it's so demoralising to see how quickly a promising young footballer can go into someone who you think is massively dispensable for this football club at the moment and I know we've seen rumours over the summer and in recent weeks but he, he stinks of someone who Everton are looking to get rid of and, and make some space and some finance for unfortunately I'm sorry to say it, but I'd be delighted I, I really am I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm on the warpath here we, we thought he was intelligent <laughs> we thought he was intelligent because he could step out and play a pass which fine yes he can do but he's the only centre-half at Everton I've ever seen, one, get a yellow card for a foul on the right wing, which he's done multiple times, and two, he used to play long balls to Bernard's head, to Bernard's head. Sometimes, at an attacking sense, yeah, he plays the ball nicely, but sometimes in defence, he's like a mop with a football shirt on. He just, there's no brain operating behind that. And today, he's, he's, let us, he's left us in the lurch, and I'm angry with him, I really am. I know there's only a minute left, but Benitez sat to use up his final sub, Maybe he could bring an attacking player. Maybe I don't think he was going to, yeah. but we've had to we've had to give up entirely at that point God. and just go right. That's it. Point defend it because he's done something stupid yet again and left us in the lurch. And despite the fact that he's young and actually we need to get the age of the squad nice and down, he's one of the first players I'd be happy to see leave. Yeah. I feel like the worst punishment for Mason now would be to just to let Ed in and just have, <laughs> have a word about how incredibly upset he was. It, it was very much, I'm, I'm not angry, I'm disappointed. But. Oh, oh, yeah. That's it, I'm like, I'm like a parent, I'm, I'm like a teacher maybe. You know, just a kid in school who, who you know can, can spell, but he's not trying and he's sitting at the back picking his nose. That's Mason Holgate. <laughs> oh, dear me, dear me. Um, <laughs> I, I just... I remember, I remember, I feel how you're feeling now, Ed. After the game, we went to Swansea, and Morales got sent off nil nil late on, and he nearly cost us that day. Yeah. And I was livid, livid with him after that. And it's sort of, it's, it's sort of one of those that I imagine that if you're a player on that pitch, you, you know, you've been playing poorly recently, you've ran your bollocks off all day. You know, it's been a hard graft. You've not played particularly well, but you've really battled for that point, and you know, everyone's put a shift in. And then someone does something stupid like that, which could potentially cost you. You're gonna, you're not gonna be happy with them, are you? You're not gonna look at them in the dressing room and think, you know, you're part of all this. And I think it's the, it's the sort of thing that you can do that can really be disengaging from, from the, the squad. Um, just one, one other thing I want to mention quickly before we finish. Uh, I mentioned lumbering shed there. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was lumbering shed there, Matt. I mean, Harry Kane. Jesus Christ, what what has happened to him as a footballer? He used to be a serious, fierce prospect, and he just looked completely unarsed and unfit today. 
Yeah, um, one season wonder, you know. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I do realise that in the return game, he's obviously going to leverage five goals or something like that. But, but at the moment, I mean, Man City must be thinking, we got off with one there. Well, yeah, and the whole the whole saga, if you could call it that, because I think a saga needs multiple elements to a story, whereas there was only one element to that story, which was Harry Crane's agent brother decided he was going to go somewhere for £100-plus million. Pounds, and nobody wanted him. And then he had to just suddenly tuck his tail between his legs and say, oh, actually, I'm staying. But like, the whole Spurs front line, they, they weren't missing a man in that front line. And they, they could have inflicted some damage on us if they were after it, but they just didn't seem to fancy it at all. Maybe it was Conte just saying, take stock, just stop the rot and everything. But... I don't know, in the words of the great man, Neville Southall, they're not very good. They're just, they're just not a good side, really. They, they seem a bit disjointed, they seem just a bit imbalanced. And we were going through the team heads, weren't we, before kickoff? And you start at the front, good players, and as you get further back, it's like, who were they? I mean, who was, yeah. that, who was that one in the midfield? I didn't even know who he was. Well, he's get, I mean, he's, he's English, he's young, he plays for Spurs, so he will play for England at some point. <laughs> he's a regen. It's, it's, it's contra- he's a regen. It's, it's a regen. So there's there's some, something in their contracts where they have to play for England at some point. Yeah. But that's the thing, isn't it? You know, Kane, Kane was atrocious today. He was atrocious. He was a fridge on wheels. He was terrible. Um, there was one point where he, he beat a man with a nice little nutmeg and then didn't he didn't know what to do next he was shocked that he'd done yeah. something Not like he's um, about to fall over every time he runs with the ball yeah, he, was, he was poor but I, 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 I stopped to think of it I think did any Spurs player play well today I cannot name a single one not even their defence the fact they kept the clean sheet is fine but I don't think they were that special Maurice um, the shit out no yeah <laughs> Son, Son was awful thank goodness and, you know, that, was pre- that was pretty funny the, their, midfield, their midfield was bad and that's it the, the further back you get with that Spurs team the more dredge there is Ben Davies and Eric Dyer are just a church. They're not good. And I think that's kind of the thing. That's the one disappointment for me, really, is they, I think they were there to be got at. That's just the one thing where maybe we could have punished them a bit more. But again, if we have a Ducore, if we have a Calvert Lewin for certain, perhaps we do that. It's just one of those where I feel like we, we, Spurs, I think, will improve because they are going to start playing for their manager and there's enough quality there. Now, today was the sweet spot where they're all a bit. Yeah. all over the place I'm not sure the manager necessarily picked the team he's only been in charge a few days mm. he would have had obviously the main say but he wouldn't have been totally sure was there an opportunity there I think there was but I'm going to take the point gladly and move on yeah you mentioned Son there Ed. my one regret is that when he was finally hauled off to a chorus of boos I just wish that we'd been like 2-0 up because there would, just would have been a chorus of cheers I, yeah. and cheers and... I, I'll just say for the record I was saying boo and Min Son <laughs> I think this big question for you must finish off Kane or Rondon oh wow I don't think he's I don't think he's quite fallen to that level yet but yeah I think the, um, the the disjointed nature of Tottenham today is probably down to how adamantly confident Antonio Conte will just generally be as a football manager I think that's that's what you inherit when you get a, a proven serial winner like Conte is that he's not going to come in after a week and let let this side be anything other than what he wants it to look like going forward be that a total change of formation or a total change in style and as Ed has rightly said they were a team who who probably were there to be got at today but there is there is absolutely nothing predatorial about Everton at the moment maybe, maybe if we come into come into this on four points from the last three games we, we probably go into that last 15 minutes thinking a whole lot differently about the, the, the last about what sort of result reflects any form of positivity for us but from a Harry Kane point of view 
I think the the awkward lost sense of opportunity is both on him and on Tottenham as a football club because he's probably not going to get that that opportunity to go to Man City again and Tottenham are not going to be able to recoup £100 million for a footballer who looks relatively average at the moment and I know that we'll all sit here in April and listen back to this and <laughs> chew on the fact that he's just scored a hat-trick against a measly Everton side but it certainly looks as though the um, the hurricane that has terrorised us for years might might simply not be there anymore yeah seven season wonder maybe you could yeah. say he was only really good for one event <laughs> was it a bit at the post no, no Chelsea Chelsea yeah I thought that was going wide that I mean I I, I would have feared to Mason Holgate if that had got in after yeah. the way he just yeah. lost the ball. Yeah. Was it you know, but Th- thanks to the arcane rule, God, thanks to the arcane rule that means hitting the post isn't a shot on target. Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> they didn't have a shot on target today. Jordan Pickford did nothing. No, he didn't. He no. didn't have to claim a cross. He didn't have to deal with a corner. Actually, our set piece defending was all right today. So they only have one corner of the game. There you go. They had the free kicks <laughs> rather than a corner. Like, I, they didn't. They didn't do anything. And. I mean, our substitutions are a little questionable, but how weird was Spurs' changes? Yeah. Bringing yeah, on Doherty for Reguillon, so a right back for a left winger. Yeah. Playing him left back, playing <laughs> Domble on the left wing. The shells are just sort of drifting around the middle. It was baffling. I couldn't. I couldn't figure out what the hell was going on when they made those changes. Mm. And it was. It was a nil-nil football game, wasn't it? We, we can yeah. we can talk here for three and a half hours. But it comes down, it was a nil-nil football game and we got what we deserved. It's a good time to play Tottenham. It's just never a good time to be Everton. I won't use to make a point if I sing out an opposition play like Cave, but I was just so struck by how, how often he was. We, we'd usually so unfortunately been blessed by seeing him in, in his pomp yeah, and so, so, many, so many But games. yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there anyway. But yeah, that is it from us. Uh, nil-nil for the Blues ahead of the international break. Uh, step forward at least after some horrible performances this week uh, cheers to Mark cheers to Ed cheers to Matt that has been your post-match reaction we'll speak to you again very soon here on the Blue Room as a charge nurse you can be a confident and dynamic leader who supports the nursing team and guides their patient care Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program equips you with strategies that prepare you to manage the ever-changing realities of healthcare while maintaining focus on family support and patient outcomes what do you think making a difference in healthcare looks like? GCU offers over 250 high quality online programs like this one. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.